five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier podcast for the Toronto Defiant, the Vancouver Titans, and for the purposes of this weekend, the Overwatch League Summer Showdown, at least the event being hosted in Toronto. Well, we're going to talk about the event that'll kick off uh, out east, uh, just the same. I'm Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Jordan at Sir Dr. JM, unable to join for the moment, is Omni at Omni Strife, though it's possible he may join a little bit later on or possibly over the course of the weekend. But as we shared in our latest episode, we are coming to you post-matches each and every day of this particular tournament with some exclusive behind-the-scenes audio as well as our thoughts on the event. But uh, welcome, Jordan. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing? I'm doing well. Right now, I'm, I'm a little green rather than red and black, but I am green with jealousy that I could not be in, uh, in Toronto for the Summer Showdown Tournament, of course. I'm equally jealous that uh, I am unable to be there. You know, I had planned on it, and then unfortunately, life threw a, a curveball, and as a result, I uh, had to uh, cancel said plans. Though it probably worked out uh, for the better because my daughter is going into kindergarten this week, and had I made the trip to Toronto, I would have missed out on that life event. And honest to goodness, as awesome as the Overwatch League might be from time to time, baby force rain supreme that's that's fair i would have missed uh first day of preschool so so similar boat yeah i mean it's yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna put in an an official protest that uh, the summer showdown needs to be Mm. rescheduled or at least scheduled more conveniently around us because we are you know number one let's contact the league we've gotten in with with sean i think we're gonna have to redo all of the matches that happened today because uh, just to fit our schedules mm-hmm. and also because I wasn't happy with most of the results. Eh, yeah. I mean, we'll get into it in a quick moment. Uh, the two Canadian teams played. I don't necessarily understand why it went what, the way it did in one match. And I was actually pleasantly surprised it went another way in another. Like, I mean, calling a spade a spade, it was a positive outcome. We'll get some audio that'll actually back that up as well, but it does set up for an interesting path. Uh, one of which it might still hold true to Jordan's spiciest of, of takes. But you know what? Uh, let's start uh, pushing uh, pushing this payload. Moving the payload. Join me. Now the West Region got underway in Toronto, not with the Toronto Defiant London Spitfire match, which we're going to talk about in just a quick second. It got underway with the Washington Justice Dallas Fuel matchup. And if there were to have been a foretelling of how things may transpire, that match kind of gave an introduction to it. But again, we'll we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Toronto Defiant London Spitfire. Last episode, which is only a couple of days ago, I had declared that it's not good to give a team confidence. I said, you know, maybe Toronto took the weekend off. Maybe Toronto made sure the Los Angeles gladiators didn't get in, but it just didn't look so good for the Toronto defiant. And based on the result of this match, at least in the first, uh, map, it seemed that Toronto brought their a game. But again, I had not watched that previous match. I was, I was unfortunately uh, traveling and I saw 
the A game brought in that first map too. So Jordan, why is it that Toronto lost three, one again? Um, I, I couldn't tell you. It's certainly not because I picked them to go all the way. It's certainly not because I predicted that they would win this well, match. You, um, okay. I was going to say you predict them to go all the way, but you didn't predict them to go all the way through no the winner's certainly. bracket, but you're right. You had said they were going to yes, win this. Bracket. Um, consider, consider at least some confidence gone. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't want to detract from London because if ever there was a team that's impressed me at this stage, it would be London. You know, I didn't think they looked great mm-hmm. in the start of the summer showdown qualifiers. Um, you know, they did have a couple of losses. They did have a couple of wins, but I didn't think anything was too convincing. Whereas on the flip side of that, I thought everything on Toronto's side looked very convincing. They looked to be a clear cut uh, top three team in the, uh, in the West, um, you know, competing maybe in the same tier as the Dallas fuel and the San Francisco shock. Um, you know, I think some people might put a bit of a tier break in between that second and third spot, but regardless, there was confidence in Toronto. And I think at the end of those qualifiers with the win that London had over Toronto, you really kind of, it felt a little like, eh, they knew they were in, they're just not putting the pedal to the metal. They're going to bring it come come tournament time. And like you say, that confidence that London managed to managed to gather thanks to their their uh, win just before the tournament, and honestly, off a stellar performance by by Sparker among among the rest of the team among Hottie, um, London London showed some strength. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, London did come in with some strength. You wouldn't have necessarily noticed it on Elios though. Um, this is where for me, having not seen and witnessed what went wrong on the previous weekend, you know, although brought mm-hmm. the heat early, like the Toronto defiant um, were just outright uh, playing with a whole lot of swag, a whole lot of confidence. That's the remo. They come out and they, they play foot forward. They take a very aggressive mm-hmm. approach to the opposition and on Ilios, both on, uh, uh, was what, uh, well, and then on ruins, they did just that. Now on well, they actually conceded, um, early, but they didn't concede in a way where they had lost a fight and had to reset. They, they simply ensured that they stuck to their game plan. And eventually once they got their picks, were able to take the point back the London spitfire, I think it was what? 90 some odd percent before the Spitfire actually were able to go and, and finally take the point. But they had, again, had to invest mm-hmm. everything to do so. And the Defiant simply came back and said, yeah, okay, we're, we've got our game plan. We, we got you to do exactly what you wanted to do. And through a war of attrition, they were able to go and take uh, take well back on ruins. It felt to me that Toronto maybe wasn't playing as aggressive, but what's interesting is that the Hisu Ash was able to get much greater value with these huge sight lines. And this is something that will probably play out more of over the course of this tournament, at least in the context of someone playing Ash. But we started to see the Spitfire almost adapt. Okay, we know we're playing against Isu. He's a he's probably the top Ash in the league right now or within the context of the meta that's currently in existence. And what they intended to do seemed to be maybe not working on ruins, but starting to give Toronto more problems. Uh, they were focusing on a very aggressive Chorong, 
who and commented he's trying to channel his inner Masa there. Um, and I, I mean, I shouldn't pick on Masa. There's many aggressive Lucio uh, right now at, at, in play. But we started to see this this aggression not necessarily remain consistent. The Toronto Defiant weren't playing sort of in this pack that was aggressive. They were in like little aggressive mm-hmm. pods. So while, yes, the Toronto Defiant got a, a 2-0 on Ilios very cleanly, I mean, all things considered, Parizo is where they started to stumble. Yes. And what's interesting about Parizo is that the Toronto Defiant on, on their attack, they got the early pick, they got the point, they aggressively started to push, they got the payload, you know, through that first sort of alleyway underpass and London just accepted that they were going to own to the high ground and uh, Sparker proceeded to out to perform. He I mean, it was, there was the clear difference there. You had Sparker getting two, three kills to he one. And this is where now I think the Ash dynamic started to really change. Hottie <laughs> apparently plays Junker queen. Like she's mm-hmm. Reinhardt. And he, he was having his way uh, on the ground with Hotba. Uh, Chorong, again, his aggression got punished far too frequently. Um, and the t- London Spitfire were able to take all of this momentum that the Toronto Defiant had completely away from them. Now, Toronto's still a good team, and they were able to go in despite having wasted all of this time finally get the payload moving again. And the way their position was, is once they got London off the high ground, London had to concede that they were probably going to give up all that space through to the, the second point to into, was it the nightclub? And I'd argue that Toronto did really well, not only sort of continuing to move the payload further ahead, but they did everything that they needed to do to give themselves a winning condition. In fact, they were getting, um, London to commit some mistakes. Like there was a point where Sparker had his alt sitting well back just as Toronto was coming through that mm-hmm. small door, which it's, it's like a shooting gallery at that point, if he pops it. And for some reason or another, when the fight started to go the way of the defiant, Sparker went close to engage. And I don't quite understand that. Cause like, I mean, I get it. Maybe you don't want to pop your alt there, but is, were you just trying to go up with the tactical reset? Yeah. I mean, could could have been looking to conserve the ult as well and you know maybe not use it unless he had to but i don't know this this map i honestly didn't think was too bad everything you're saying you know if you didn't know who won the map or who took the map everything you're saying sets it pretty evenly um i didn't mm-hmm. think any any one team necessarily outshined the other here um again what i really think it came back to um, in large part was Sparker. I think he was he was clearing away oh, the carry on the team. Um, you know, a little bit of a preview for the other match, big match we'll discuss. Um, at this point, it would be really exciting to see London play Vancouver. They, I think, have very similar team styles right now. Um, I think they, uh, the way Sparker's playing is at least comparable to Aspire. I think obviously we know how good Aspire has been and he's, you know, top three on, on the sojourn and everything right now, uh, by most stats, but it would be really interesting to see the two teams because I think they could be fairly evenly matched. Um, Mm -hmm. 
where I think Toronto, like you say, kind of started to fall apart was when you saw people uh, or players like Chorong getting really aggressive and kind of being on a different page from the rest of the team. Um, and, and that's, yeah. if we look back at some of these previous matches that Toronto played where they were really good, that was their big strength is they really seemed to be coordinating as a team extremely well, which we've talked about in the past. That's what this meta is all about, right? It's that team play. It's that, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it's that goat style. It's that uh, synergy between the alts on and uh, abilities that each character brings to the table and really rotating through them and working them together appropriately. Um, and mm-hmm. that, that definitely seemed to be an area where they're maybe struggling now, whereas other teams might be starting to figure it out a little better. Yeah. The other thing that also struck me is that when Toronto was on defense, this is when you started to see, and I don't know if it was mistake driven, but twilight getting picked early by sparker, um, like twilight trying to peek a corner or, or something along those lines. And it's as if sparker was like using wall hacks because twilight would peek deleted and the moment the brig was gone you saw toronto having to go and withdraw mm-hmm. giving up so much ground to the spitfire and when the spitfire took space on their attack they very rarely gave it up like in fact one might argue they never actually gave up anything they had taken until they got inside nightclub at which point toronto was at london's yeah. spawn and london was coming from toronto spawn which i'm not a a, a plat tier you know, top tier overwatch uh, player here, but it leads me to think that if you're the defending team, that's not a good position to be in, especially when you start losing no, that, said that fight. rotation doesn't certainly doesn't work out in your favor. No, it was, it was kind of weird, but you know, coming back to the Hisu Sparker matchup here, I, I, I understand the value that Ash provides when you're able to go and get that, you know, dynamite to, to, tick away health on on a number of, of different heroes simply because they don't have the sustain um, that they would necessarily need to, to outheal that. But that condition requires those chokes to be pretty consistent, and Toronto wasn't able to find a position that they could adequately control until, really, London got into nightclub. And the thing about this is that Toronto found themselves in almost a chaotic, you know, sense of, oh my goodness. And it's this point where I kind of wondered, are they now kind of worried? Like, oh wait, this isn't going the way we had thought it was going to go. This isn't going to be as easy. It might just be next weekend or last weekend all over again. I don't know. But, you know, London takes Parizo and suddenly you got a match in your hands. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, it wasn't, it was, like I say, it wasn't a bad map um, for, for either team really. But I think, like you say, this is this is the snowball effect for London, right? They know they've already beaten Toronto very recently, um, you know, literally less than a week ago. Um, yeah, they got bested on the first map, but you come out of uh, out of Parizo with a win like that, and you start thinking, hey, maybe we got this on lock again. Yeah. So this takes us into a Toronto's pick, uh, which is Dorado, and. The way Toronto started the their their attack kind of confuses me because they did well getting around sort of that initial corner, uh, despite the fact that the Spitfire had taken, you know, the high ground early. They get an early pick. In fact, I think they had an early two picks. 
yet for some reason or another, Toronto elected not to continue that aggressive push with that advantage. And suddenly, you know, the time is just ticking away and London's able to sort of slow things down. Um, and well, that's not to suggest that Toronto, you know, got no, got no joy in this, this push. It was that, where did the aggression that we saw in Ilios go? Like the moment that they got that initial pick, Toronto would be all over them. And what we were now seeing was a much more tentative approach is as if they didn't want to make mistakes or uh, maybe didn't have the coordination, okay, of who next. And so this started to sort of play out as the sort of payload is pushing. And we saw this tentative approach simply see the timer click away, click away, click away. Yes, they get through the the first uh, set of doors, which is, you know, apparently on this map, a, a win on its own. But they don't get it much further than that. They now struggle again with the high ground that London has has taken ownership of. And while Ash has sight lines on this map, the fact that Sparker was able to play where he was uh, with the ability to right click, right click and insta delete um, characters or or just outright abuse Hotba, Toronto just didn't seem to be able to adapt. And then at one point, London just decided, okay, well, let's go and hang out at your spawn if you want to play. Yeah, and, and there was certainly an element of uh, the map playing the advantage, London playing the advantage of, of having that high ground uh, once they were through the doors and everything like that. Um, and, and like you say as well, um, with the, the Junker Queen picks, that was one thing that had been talked about pretty heavily going into the Summer Showdown qualifiers was people were you know, basing on contenders, they were saying, oh, it looks like it's going to be this Junker Queen meta. And then you had other professionals, um, I mean, Custa comes to mind, saying things like, I'm not convinced because Junker Queen can get caught out and picked quite easily. And that's almost what we saw happening here in a lot of ways. When mm-hmm. London had that high ground and Toronto pushed through the doors, they weren't able to break through and they tried doing so with the Junker Queen, but she was getting picked out so much so often well, that they couldn't and, make significant And Sparker progress. often invested, uh, you know, 100% yeah. shot directly into Hotball's yeah. uh, hitbox. Like, uh, you know, it just, there wasn't, anything that, that they could do to, to avoid that. And that's not something that we've seen a lot of or teams who have had a lot of success, but it definitely does occur. And in this particular case, that's happening in to counter to this though, is that he Ash isn't able to go and chunk down the opposing, uh, you know, hottie the same way. Yes. He's able to go in with, uh, Ash and provide that consistent level of damage, but it's almost like this additional reliance on what Bob can you know mm-hmm. bring to the the table but if you're not getting bob quick enough the 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 ability to just adjust and adapt is non-existent and when when london had their time to attack unlike toronto who was very yeah. tentative and very passive london was now the aggressor am i and am i wrong in oh, thinking go ahead. they had like 5 minutes when they reached the first checkpoint i think so it, was, yeah. it felt like that i mean whereas toronto had, had like a I guess a minute had two minutes maybe. Um, and I, I skipped over this. Is it really a Charlie Niner if you just don't play the payload? No, I, yes. I mean, they showed the slow-mo and and it looks like Hot Bomb may have gotten sort of bounced back I, I slightly. I think there was a disruptor shot again from Sparker right in the path mm-hmm. that they would have had to go through to get to the payload. Um, I wouldn't have called it a, a C9 just because you're right. They didn't leave. Well, no, I'm not saying it's yeah, a Charlie Niner. the point. They just, you know, 
were slow to get back to it and ended up not getting back in time. Well, but that's the thing is they weren't even slow to get back to it. Although had already surpassed the payload up top, like the, the define had gone with this weird pincer and with the reliance of hot Bob being the person who would touch, like it didn't seem like they had a, a yeah. plan B. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it, the timer clicks out cause hot Bob wasn't able to trigger overtime. And yet the defiant, it was five V five. And I think defiant might've not had the Alticon on yeah. it, but still they may have been able to get that, you know, first pick. And at least got more distance because to the point that you just mentioned, London had a heck of a time uh, or a heck of amount of time that they had to get it only yeah. so far. And again, the Hisu Sparker, you know, difference here, unfortunately, it felt to me held Toronto back. And I, I genuinely have to ask, has Toronto had the misfortune of having such a dominant Ash player with Hisu? up against teams that maybe did not have this similarly dominant sojourn, or is it a combination of the teams that Toronto were playing had two weak links and that helped elevate us. Cause we're going to, we're going to talk about the, that Washington Dallas match. And it was quite clear once a shift occurred, it like completely threw uh, the balance in an entirely different direction. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's honestly pretty clear. And, and it's interesting because Hisu was, one of the players that was more consistently playing Ash this whole this whole uh, qualifier round. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the East, but I don't know another team in the West that was Ash, Ash, Ash. No, and time. we we did see a little bit of Ash, and as uh, you know, the the uh, qualifiers went on, we saw more Ash coming into play, and it did shift from being a uh, you know Sojourn heavy meta to more of a mm-hmm. split between Ash and Sojourn, but again. I've been saying it this whole summer showdown qualifier round. Um, it really, in my mind, sticks out that when you play with Ash, yes, there's a different kit involved, obviously, and it does have some advantages, but I strongly think that the uh, what Sojourn brings to the table is more significant than the Ash. I understand there's the dot from the dynamite. There's the opportunity to use Bob to clear space to... Um, even, you know, launch someone and get a pick that way and things like that and just apply that consistent damage. But I think that left click of Sojourn is just so dangerous right now that I really think uh, if you're playing against a Sojourn that can hold its own, you're at a disadvantage if you're on Ash. Yeah. But that takes us to the next Toronto pick, Coliseo, which I find interesting that they chose Coliseo. I mean, it could be that they just felt more comfortable on that map, but the fact remains they had a home map they could have chosen to pick, or maybe they had chosen to not pick it because they were afraid that if they lost, it would be bad uh, that, juju. Now, do that would not have know. been Toronto, in Toronto, on Toronto, uh, playing on Toronto. Is it, is it four or is it three? <laughs> it would be three. Toronto in Toronto, playing okay, on Toronto. Uh, but no, they chose Coliseo and, you know, as is with this style of map, um, you don't want to give up a significant advantage to the team that you were playing against Toronto, um, either knew that, but the problem was that they gave London that, that, you know, Mm -hmm. initial push and then some that while Toronto did make a a Mm -hmm. game of it. The problem was, is that the amount of investment that they had to make just was so significant that they couldn't sustain, even if they had won an initial team fight, then London would just come in and clean up and move the, 
move that to bought back. But if you want, you know, a, I don't know, five, 10 second synopsis of sort of how things went for Toronto in those three maps, you'll see it at the start of Coliseo. When Backbone is essentially jumping up on a wall, throwing shurikens into, I think it was Hisu and Chorong. I think I can't remember. There's two people. He's just throwing shurikens in uncontested and then decides, oh, okay, well, if you're not going to go and do anything about me, I will continue to do such and then dash in and delete you. And that, how is it that there isn't that situational awareness to know that there is a one, a Genji that's in a bad position. I mean, arguably if, if uh, twilight were to have gotten around the corner with a bash or something like that, backbones, so far out of position that he gets dropped, you have an advantage, but instead it's 2k the other way. And that's ultimately what allowed the London Spitfire to then just start to assert dominance on really the, the back of yes, backbone and sparker, but functionally, you know, hottie playing his, uh, you know, junker ride. Yeah. There was, there was a, a feeling of, and you know, as, as I say, I picked Toronto to go all the way in this tournament. Uh, but there was a definite feeling of against a better team, you wouldn't get away with this uh, in terms of exactly what you're talking about with with the Genji poke, the Genji, you know, popping up over a wall and just letting loose um, on the back line kind of thing. And that's exactly it. You whittle them down and then you dash in and Genji has that burst ability. Um, it's part of why Genji's so squishy. But, you know, if if someone's already down to 50 health, 75 health, Genji will just pop in there and you're gone. Um, and you get one of those picks on, on a back line and suddenly the tides have turned because again, this meta is so reliant on, uh, on those defensive abilities of the supports. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately for the Toronto defiant, the advantage that they had provided the London Spitfire early in the match was too insurmountable of a lead to, to manufacture an ability to overcome. And, the Spitfire are victorious. Yes. Now, the way the event is um, taking place is that the winning team sends a couple of players to a media room, a press room, uh, for you know, post-match uh, interviews. And uh, here at uh, Ready Step Home, we've been invited to take part in this, albeit virtually. And, uh, you know, we were sitting there, you know, we're listening to some of the, the answers. We couldn't quite hear the questions in the room. But um, a question along the lines presented to Hottie and Sparker, who are the two players from the Spitfire, um, uh, the Spitfire sense, sorry, uh, was, uh, you know, how did you, you know, feel about your performance against the Defiance? Now, it might have been also in relation to the weekend before. I do not know because we didn't hear the question. But what we did hear were the answers of Hottie and Sparker. Listen in. Uh, I'm sure I think... We just kind of better every role and we just, we just play the game. I don't know. If we play our normal, we always win. We're just better. On Ilias, we lose. It's like the best Ash map in the game. It can happen, but we're good. We're just a better, better overall. And they're an Ash team and we're a Sodom team mostly. But even when they go Sodom, we just beat them even harder. So not much for them to do. If that's not youthful confidence that might keep you up at night as a Toronto Defiant fan, I don't know what is. I get it. Young, young guys, they're all, you know, full of, you know, hoot nanny and all that jazz. But I don't know. Is that the technical term or is that the uh, I was going to say just 
as long as you're not sitting on a Chesterfield while you say it. <laughs> well, I think those words are what starts a kerfuffle oh. okay, in these parts. Fair. Up in Canada, that's what happens. Yeah. Up in Canada. Yeah, I mean, Hottie starts it off by saying, like, you know, we're, we're a good team. We know what we're doing. And Sparker's like, oh, man, we're just better. And look, they have one of the best dashes in the, in the league, and we boom them, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no hold back. But honestly, I feel, one, London has the ability to be this confident. That's just their MO as sort of a, a team and a, you know, an organizational approach right now. But two... Toronto didn't really put up as significant a fight as you would have expected from a, you know, top four team. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, it was it was too bad to see Toronto in that fourth slot going into uh, into the tournament. Um, prior to that, I would have said they were a top three team, but it seems like other teams have figured things out, and they're just not looking as impressive as they had previously. Um, I had hoped that the first loss against London was more of a one-off. Like I said, you know, they took the foot off the gas a little bit. Um, but now we have two matches in a row against the same team, no less, um, where in theory you have experience, you have footage, you have um, all the cards stacked in your favor to make a comeback win. And you even started off the match right. But uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, that confidence that Hadi brought to the table there, I mean... Mans was doing push-ups on stage. He, uh, yeah, exactly. At halftime, he's, he's not afraid, you know. He, and he he was actually asked, you know, was. was that intended? And his response was actually, I do this to try to help with yeah. my nerves. I sometimes do it before. It's my pre-match ritual. Sometimes yeah. I do it during. It's just that this now, whether this happens when they're on, you know, on ping or whatever, we don't know. We don't get to see that. But on stage, it definitely had an effect. And I think you raise a very salient point. If you're the defiant players and you're watching this guy do this, it's, it's, is it one going to take you off your game? Cause now you're <laughs> going to get all, you know, wired about that. Or two, is this like, Oh my God, are they that good that they think they can do this? Like, but what are you thinking? Oh, they're that good. Like, I don't, it was definitely a chatty it moment. Absolutely was. Um, yeah. and, and it occurs to me as well, you know, London, playing that that mind game aspect of it and having that confidence obviously plays in their favor there is a chance mm-hmm. that they play toronto again um yeah I, I think if we look forward at their next match they play dallas i mean it's there's a possibility well you just let the cat out of the oh. bag that then toronto's playing washington well, thanks for ruining my segue that, there's there's just there's a good chance that on saturday we see we see the return of this we see a third matchup of these two teams damn anywho uh the toronto defiant are in the losers round uh they'll be playing the washington justice uh, who had uh, earlier been beaten by the dallas fuel um this is the match that i had sort of alluded to uh washington was up 2-0 mm-hmm. and then uh uh, Edison uh, made the switch from Ash, which he had been playing uh, consistently to that point, over to the Sojourn, and Dallas went and reverse swept mm-hmm. the Washington Justice three two. When asked about this, Edison's response was that they had actually been practicing Ash on defense, Sojourn on attack. Their game plan had always had Sojourn for the map four pick. Him shifting to Sojourn for the third map was simply an adaptation to what was being presented to the team. It worked. Map four 
it worked. And so they elected on map five not to go back to the ash to stick with the sojourn. And what happens? Dallas beats the Washington Justice. If I'm the Toronto Defiant, I have to be listening to this and wondering, can Hisu Ash maybe become a Hisu Sojourn? Again, I mean, I keep referring back to to what we've discussed, you know, throughout this these qualifiers. I have also said that Hisu does look good on Ash or on uh, Sojourn. Sorry, he has pulled the switcheroo every now and then. He'll he'll be playing Ash, and he did actually yeah. pull the switcheroo on Sojourn uh, or uh, to uh, on yeah. Coliseo. The problem was that by then yeah. there was like two minutes left. It was exactly. far too late. But but we've seen him do that before, and we've seen him hold his own. We've seen literal times where. Um, I, I want to say it was maybe against Atlanta. I, I could be wrong, but where they're maybe losing a couple fights against an Ash, he will switch to Ash. He'll show him who's boss and then he'll switch back. Sorry. I keep saying Ash. He'll switch to Sojourn and then he'll just switch back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it very much says to me that Ash is the comfort pick for him. He, it's the character he feels yeah. more confident on. But again, I just feel like you got to be playing that sojourn right now, especially against someone who can dominate like, uh, like Sparker was. Yeah. Agreed. Anywho, um, let's talk a little bit about the other Canadian team. They were playing, uh, the San Francisco shock, the Vancouver Titans. Um, you know, let's be realistic here. We're up, uh, up tough against a very powerful San Francisco shock team. Sure. The shock were the ones who picked the Titans to you might say maybe took them for granted but if you were to go and watch how the vancouver titans performed and two heard some of the comments post-match you'd understand that i don't think the shock were actually taking the vancouver titans for granted but instead chose the team that they felt they best matched up against and could sort of take advantage of based on what they have as experience now the um vancouver titans came out pretty well um they do what they do on on most um you know matches or or maps that first uh, control uh by coming hard uh, you know um and they got a cap in fact they, you saw what masa going you know aggressive getting a, a 2k boop sure he got deleted but i mean the trade i think he got both support or he might have got a support and a, a dps like um good trade the vancouver titans were able to go and secure the point uh, you had uh, that Ash experiment end, at least functionally, in the context of play Ash all the time. So Aspire was back on the more uh, dominant sojourn. And the Titans looked really, really good until they lost the next team fight. And the thing about what we saw in, on Li Jiang wasn't that the Vancouver Titans just simply got rolled. It's that the, the experience that the San Francisco shock had allowed them to more consistently take advantage of that first pick. And when they went and put their, their foot to that gas, I think it almost caught the Titans by surprise. Cause the way the Titans play is like, you know, balls to the wall, let's go yeah, and give her, they got to lose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, unfortunately for the Titans, they were able to go and I think make a match out of it. Um, but we were still seeing this very aggressive Masa um, who, you know, credit to him plays it like a DPS character. <laughs> but the problem is, is that when Lucio is also the hero, you need to be generating some additional health and sustain 
when you're out of position or you have a barrier between you and your team, it doesn't always work out. And, and we saw some of that on, on Li Zhang Tower here. Um, you know, there were, there was a few times where he would drop the beat and either the rest of the team was basically all but dead already, or there was a wall and, you know, the team was caught on the other side of it. So, uh, so it just wasn't effective. Yeah. You know, but again, I felt that what we saw in this sort of first round, you know, did portray the Vancouver Titans as being prepared, but again, a dominant San Francisco shock team that was simply a superior opponent. Um, right. Like I market, it was more the same, like the Vancouver Titans, I think did well in an initial engage, but the problem was, is that based on the rotation, the San Francisco shock were the ones who are actually get, get, able to get the most value. And then the Vancouver Titans just had a heck of a time trying to take the yeah. point back. And there were many opportunities for them to do so because the shock were like, yeah, we'll give you the point. We're just going to go and kill mm-hmm. you and take it back. And that's what they did. I think the Titans took it back twice and both times held it for like 5% or so until a shock team came in, you know, deleted the two or three that were left causing also a big stagger. So can you explain to me what happened during that break? Because when we go into Midtown, which is the Vancouver Titans map choice, they come out as if they are the San Francisco shock playing the Vancouver Titans. Yeah, they were, uh, this, this map was like, if, if you are a Vancouver fan after this map, you thought they could win it all. That that's how good oh, they gosh, yeah. Um, this map was very impressive on Vancouver's side. Uh, they, they quite literally were, were rolling San Francisco almost the whole time. Um, you know, it, it just, this was, this was the confidence they needed. Um, and to be fair, I think this kind of fueled them through the next couple of maps as well. Um, and, and really just mm-hmm. gave them that sense that, you know what, Hey, we're here to play and we could win. There's a chance. Yeah. The, you know, attack, they came out as the Titans are apt to do. They go and mm-hmm. take it quick. And in this particular case, I mean, there was a moment where, I think it was was Masa had been sort of singled out, but he was able to escape. King, however, was essentially harassing Kilo nonstop. Um, one might argue King probably had the superior match to the Aspire simply because of everything he was able to do that gave the San Francisco shock fits. So that's not taking anything away from Aspire, who played quite well in the Sojourn. And in this particular map, as Ash, mm-hmm. but see... Here we had an Ash Ash mirror, so you can't yeah, really complain yeah. about that. It's the Ash versus Sojourn yeah, exactly. where I think we started to see a shift. <clears throat> but uh, once they got that first point, what did San Francisco do? San Francisco's like, okay, we're not going to go in and, and continue to throw bodies at you. We'll do our, our reset. We'll get you as you come through the choke. And Vancouver, having already aggressively attacked San Francisco through a spawn rotation just to take the point, said, well, you can't choke when we're already through. Like, I think, it, I actually don't know who it was. It might've been Aztec who was escorting the payload through the doors, but the Vancouver Titans essentially already had four through and they were aggressively playing poke against the San Francisco shock. They get the pick and what do the Titans do? They go mm-hmm. pedal to the metal. And it was almost like a shock. We're like, who yeah. are we playing here? <laughs> it's absolutely true. Um, that was, that was the story of the map was Vancouver, I think pushing hard, um, 
and yeah, I mean, may, maybe you're right. Maybe they were just so caught off guard by this this style of play, um, and and honestly, more importantly, that it was working. Because um, you know, we've seen not saying Vancouver's a bad team, but we've seen bad teams push aggressively, and more often than not, it just doesn't work out. Uh, the other team is able to get a pick or what have you, and that usually causes the downfall. But they were they were looking good. This aggressive play style. Yeah, there was a moment as well, sort of in a re-engage from the Vancouver Titans just before they actually got the second point where the San Francisco shock had the clear advantage. They had alt economy in their favor and the Vancouver Titans engaged late yet Spire, who I don't know if he jumped or got boop turns around, picks off. I think it was proper just deletes proper with his alt turns around and as if he has eyes in the back of his head, you know, cuts Coluja's health bar by 50%, who then gets deleted. And again, the Titans were able to go and create the stagger, which allowed for them to more aggressively enter into station and continue to provide the San Francisco shock trouble. Like if they had like three and a half, four minutes of time bank as well at this point. And I don't believe the shock stopped that payload more than maybe one, maybe two times corner. But like the actual push at one point was like, well, the Vancouver Titans won't get it all the way, but you know, they've put themselves in a a good spot and it's like the Titans are like, Oh no, no, no. Just hold that thought for a minute. Right. Like you had, I think aspiring King at one point spawn camping. Um, You had uh, Masa doing Masa (laughs) things. And I think it was Mir and Aztec simply escorting the payload. Um, but the fact that the Vancouver Titans got three and had time in the mm-hmm. bank gave them a winning condition, which apparently they took quite seriously yeah. because boy, oh the boy, defense. did they make it hard for the San Francisco shock to take that first point. In fact, it had me thinking that could the Vancouver Titans actually, you know, full yeah. hold here. They didn't. Um, I'd argue the Vancouver Titans may have made some mistakes that allowed for that to happen. Like um, Kilo absolutely biffed above, threw him into the <laughs> fire truck. Like, and all the Titans needed to do is just stay on the opposite side. But no, they go and they pop alts. You got King going with his cue through to the other side of the fire truck, and Bob's like, yeah. "Oh, thank you," shooting him in the back of the head. Um, I think uh, Masa might have, or Aztec might have, also popped his alt to help, you know, sustain the Genji go to the wrong side of the fire truck and guess what happens to you two? Like Kilo got, I think two free kills from a Vancouver Titans team that had no business doing what they were doing. But again, it's like, is it nerves or something? Cause like they're, they're all fired up thinking, Oh, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And that ultimately gave San Francisco that first point, but it's as if the Titans learned a lesson and decided, okay, we're going to play aggressive, but we're going to play the smart mm-hmm. version. And they just continued to hold the high ground on, on the shock. I don't think the shock had anything more than maybe a minute by the time they got the actual cart, you know, through the, mm-hmm. the underpass. And aside from a small period of time where I actually thought, I think it was Violet who might've been back capping. Mm. There was, I remember it was proper. Like there was someone back capping. I actually thought the Vancouver Titans were going to allow for it to happen. Cause what did they did? They went to the aggressive yeah. engage to go and, and fortunately it was mirror that got back to the point in time. But again, a one fight. So here you have a Vancouver Titans team that just beat the San Francisco shock in dominant fashion. And, you know, as we have said on our show before, 
Confidence is a heck of a drug. So San Francisco gets to choose the next map because, hey, that's how it works. They chose Circuit Royale. We've not necessarily seen good performances from the Vancouver Titans on Circuit Royale. Um, yes, in this particular stage, yeah. But this is a map that the Vancouver Titans have struggled with. I don't know if it's the verticality. Um, but uh, in their attack, at least at the first point, the Vancouver Titans not only got the first pick, but were able to sort of set the tone and get that you know aggressive push to like within a few meters. And while they got stopped, that amount of distance gave them the room that was needed to then continue to get out of spawn to eventually get that point. Where they suddenly started to stumble, however, was getting it up that first sort of chicane and or switchback, I guess it would be because it's vertical. But prior to this, you saw the Vancouver Titans in a really good position. Arguably, if it wasn't for some, I don't know, poor support alt usage, uh, like, you know, Aztec investing an alt for reasons I'm not entirely mm-hmm. certain of, late in a fight that, I'm not going to lie, the Titans anyways. weren't going to, yeah, like it wasn't one of those ones where that's mm-hmm. the difference. You had a chance that just gave you you know, even greater one. It was like, are you just trying to like get a couple percent there? Like, and, uh, you know, the problem is boy, would that a support alt come in handy when proper and Kilo both had their cues available on the next engagement, right? Like not to suggest that the, the rally will save you, but it's better than no rally, no beat. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, like you say, I mean, a big part of this map, as we've seen, is don't get spawn camped at the very beginning. Um, and Vancouver was lucky enough to not let that happen where against a team like San Francisco, it's a, a very real possibility. You know, it would be very easy for that to happen. But like you said, they managed to avoid that and make some pretty decent distance um, on that sort of uh, once once they were broken out of, of spawn and everything, um, which isn't mm-hmm. usually or isn't, always the story at least in in this uh in this meta right um but then beyond that um you know that what did you call it that that switchback chicane sure well uh, in this in racing vernacular chicane is a slowdown point which is what i I did not know that but uh naturally when they get there that that is known to you know that that kind of hillside is a is quite the tough spot to navigate um and you know no surprise they they did get stopped around there so and at first stop i mean we've sort of gone past it but coming back you know the san francisco shock just outright yeah. spawn camp the oh, yeah. the titans um and and it was brutal the vancouver titans i think invested three alts just to get themselves mm-hmm. out of spawn uh to get them back into that push but regardless they've given themselves yeah. distance um they had a winning condition. Like it wasn't as if they had completely rolled over. So when San Francisco came out on their attack and the Vancouver Titans took sort of that aggressive stance and held on to it, you sort of thought for a bit, this is going to work out. And then Kilo proceeded to delete Aspire. Uh, he deleted uh, Aztec and the San Francisco gets some distance. The Vancouver Titans smartly disengage. They re-engage. Kilo deletes Aspire <laughs> and deletes mm-hmm. Aztec <laughs> and oh look they've got the first point and like an hour yeah. um 
And that was the problem is that the Vancouver Titans at that point, they were trying to play this like bend and not break, but they continued to break. Um, King to his credit was trying his best to get into Hilo's mm-hmm. kitchen. And there were a few times where he did, but then San Francisco would simply rally and they would then eliminate King. And that's the problem is when you're Genji's in that back line, it's much harder to get anything beyond a health pack towards him. And it's not going to be sufficient, especially if he were to get yeah. bashed um, or to get pulled. You got five teammates and, piling on top of you, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I, that's where, you know, we see these good teams, these good teams travel yeah. together. Like they react as a unit. The Vancouver Titans did some of that uh, on Midtown, but they didn't do some of that anywhere else. So they lose. Uh, unfortunately for them, San Francisco just had far too much time to go and get that payload up the up the hill. And so the Titans chose New Queen Street as their map of choice. This is a map that the Vancouver Titans have had mm-hmm. success on. And for 97% of this match, they sure did. Like, I honestly, when the Vancouver, so, I mean, fast forward here. The Vancouver Titans not only won the first team fight, they won the second team fight. They won the third team fight. They had actually gotten the bot all the way mm-hmm. past the the first butt scratch before the San Francisco shock were able to actually win a fight. And it wasn't like they actually won a fight. They got the first pick and the Titans were like, yeah, okay, we'll meet you in uh, the middle again. No problem. They disengaged as a unit, um, come back in. And what do they do? They immediately stop the San Francisco progress and they proceed to start pushing that barricade even further up the hill. They are playing aggressive. Aspire is just outright having his way with pretty much everyone. Coluge had, I think, been to this point out playing mirror, but now the Vancouver Titans had kind of figured this out and they were removing Coluge from the equation. And anytime Coluge was gone, it provided a free opportunity for mirror to go in for that in close uh, play against both the uh, Kilo and proper and to some respect, the, uh, the, the Finn. But what went wrong? Because the Vancouver Titans had the winning condition. Is it the fact that this map is now a 15 minute map? Like, I mean, I exaggerate, but even like the Vancouver Titans, they did everything they needed to do. They did the right things early on. They had all the distance. Did they suddenly, you know, get overconfident? Like, Hey, we, we're going to win this. We're going to take them to five. They, they, you know, it's, they proverbially look too far ahead. I mean, I could see that being a part of it. And the other side is San Francisco is San Francisco. You know, they, they have that confidence even when they're on the edge. Um, you know, I mean, look at their record. They have lost one game, you know, all regular season this, this season. Um, I think when their backs against the wall, they don't back down and they push harder And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think maybe Vancouver did think that at that point they had done enough to take the map and at least go to five Um, Mm. against a lesser team winning that many fights in a row on push wins you the map almost guaranteed. But against these, you know, the top two or three um, in the San Francisco shock and likely the Dallas fuel, uh, you know, you got to keep the pedal to the metal and you got to, you got to push as hard as you can the whole time. Um, but I'd, I'd argue that the Vancouver Titans did it, well, did all sure. of that. Like, I mean, yeah, San Francisco had it within like, was it a half meter or whatever it was uh, of a winning condition, but the Vancouver Titans stopped them late and in doing so proceeded to go in and win one more fight. 
San Francisco had to win two fights to have the opportunity to get that winning condition. And to their credit, mm-hmm. they won both. And, and that's the thing. That's the San Francisco mindset. You know, they knew they could do it. Another team. I don't know that there's any other team I would watch and watching that play out. You know, when you, when you say in your mind, oh, they got to win at least two in a row to get this. They got to win at least three in the three in a row to get this. I don't know that I would say that most teams would win those two or three, but San Francisco certainly uh, is is one of the yeah. more likely ones. And that's the thing is, if you're a Vancouver Titans fan, you have to look at this as a as oh, a positive. Vancouver did they did pretty much everything that they needed to do to win this map. They did everything right. They simply went up against a superior mm-hmm. opponent. And who, I mean. I, Again, I'm a, I'm a broken record at this point, but this past weekend, Vancouver's game, I rewatched and I thought, you know what? They actually did better than their loss indicated. Um, I watched Toronto's match this past weekend a second time, and I said, yeah, that was about as bad as I thought it was. Same thing with this. Vancouver played very well against San Francisco. I don't think they deserved a 3-1. I think it could have easily gone to 5, as we just talked about. Um mm-hmm. But again, Vancouver continues to show their strength. And, you know, at this point, if a team like Vancouver does wind up butting heads against Toronto again, it went to five the first time and uh, could go to five again. And the result could certainly be uh, be the other direction. Yeah. Now, post-match, Kaluj was brought up for an interview, and he was asked about uh, the Vancouver Titans, and he had said that the Vancouver Titans, in his mind, are a significantly underrated team. They're far better than maybe the record were to uh, present, and that no one should take them for granted. Now, hearing this, oh, this is interesting. Like, you've now played the Vancouver Titans many times. Yes, this team that you're playing this, uh, you know, round is significantly different than the one previous. But uh, I'd like to know why you think they're underrated. And so I asked them to expand on those thoughts. Uh, it's, it's mainly like the way the meta plays. Uh, if you have teamwork, you can, you can come out on top against a lot of teams. And I feel like they have pretty good teamwork. Most of the time, their nerves kind of get to them and they choke up. But, I mean, if you look back at their losses, they all been like map five or like really close. I think Aspire might be one of the best sojourns in the game. So I feel like that definitely helps out a little bit. And they have they have the players for this meta too. They have Aztec on the brig. He's really good at brig and then Masa and Lucio. If they get like their nerves under control, I think they'll be really good. So as you can hear what, you know, Kalusia just said, one meta. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. Everyone in their, you know, brother and sister is saying the Vancouver Titans are very fortunate of this meta shift. But what's interesting is what he says at the end. He says something that I think you've probably heard from us about the Vancouver Titans in the past. There's some nerves or nervousness that's at play. And, and if you look on Twitter, uh, Shockwave, or sorry, Shockwave, he's no longer a Titan. Um, <laughs> hey, Aspire, says actually, <laughs> Aspire actually said, you know, first time on stage, um, you know, maybe got the better of us. Uh, heck, the Vancouver Titans, when they came out, didn't stand in the spotlight. One, no one had instructed them where to stand. They were in the right spot, and then somehow someone told them to move, and next thing you know, they weren't. But again, this is their first opportunity, and Collusion even said as yeah. much. Like, we've had these opportunities. They haven't. Um, but the fact that he says they're a top four yeah. team, I think speaks very loudly because 
do you want to be facing a top four team in the, in the losers bracket as you know, the Florida mayhem will be seen as, you know, the cats out of the bag, the Florida mayhem lost to the Houston outlaws. Though I don't think anyone had predicted otherwise, you know, I wouldn't want to be the mayhem having to play the Vancouver Titans. I I honestly, I hate myself for saying it, but I think the two bottom teams in this bracket right now are Florida and Toronto. And I am not happy with that because Again, on our last episode, I said, I'm tired of Toronto going into the qualifying for these tournaments and losing every match they have. I, I want to see a win. I, I want something. Am I confident that they can get that against their next component, next opponent? It's looking dicey. So, I mean, I feel that Toronto can beat Washington, presuming that they have an answer to what Washington clearly understands as an ability to delete mm-hmm. the ash. Yes, it's it's an adhesu who's a superior ash, but still Toronto needs to be able to doubt. If I'm the Florida mayhem, I'm coming into this Vancouver Titans match, probably confident, but is that going to be a level of overconfidence? Cause the thing to understand is the mayhem don't play the standard meta we're accustomed to. They're going to bring out the Zen Anna, uh, quite a bit. Um, Sir Majid, uh, who actually played on ping for this match today because visa, uh, didn't get granted until like today and is then flying mm-hmm. to Toronto like tonight. So yes, East coast, but I can't imagine what, uh, that'll be uh, like for the kid, but that support matchup could be a make or break. Like I feel the Vancouver Titans are very confident with what they have. And while yes, the Anna gives you a greater level of heal. The Zen gives you this ability to survive with his alt and can deal damage. Not going to lie. Uh, could easily see us, uh, aspire and, either one of them very quick. And if you're down a support hero nonstop, it's very difficult to, to do much else. Um, Houston just took advantage of that the entire match. And yes, Houston took advantage of Vancouver <laughs> just the same, but I don't feel that Florida and Vancouver are, are at the same level. I feel Vancouver yeah, slightly. above. I, I agree, but I don't feel Vancouver gets through to the next opponent they'll face Whereas I could see if Toronto were to beat Washington, I could see Toronto make that happen. But you're right. I have more questions about the Washington-Toronto match than I feel comfortable Should having. we play out the hypothetical scenarios of what happens from here? Well, okay. So Dallas and London are facing off. San Francisco and Houston are facing off. Uh, London is overconfident. Um, I feel Dallas is going to handle Okay. Them. Houston's an interesting one. I think Houston is not necessarily overconfident. They're confident, but I think Houston presents San Francisco a pretty reasonable challenge. I'm going to suggest San Francisco wins that, but I may be less confident than I am of Dallas beating London. And I'm not trying to take anything away from London. I just feel that Dallas is the better team in those, that, that matchup. Now, presuming the, you know, brackets work, work out as they do, uh, the winner of the Washington Toronto matchup would then play the loser of the Dallas London matchup. See, I believe that's incorrect. I think they, I th- oh, so they would play the San Francisco I Houston think that's loser on purpose so that they don't wind up playing London again immediately again. after they just okay. lost to them, right? Okay, so yeah. and that's the thing I, I'm trying to keep track, but the way the Overwatch League website I went is, lo- doesn't I went and make looked it at easy. My pickums because it auto fills where the winners and losers go. Uh, so that's how I pieced it together. So okay. if I'm wrong, then blame the pickums, but. I think Toronto would play the loser of San Francisco Houston. Okay, well there see I know. And see 
I don't feel good for Toronto there because I don't like in my bracket. I have Houston beating San Francisco. So that presents a challenging scenario where Toronto has to play San Francisco. And I don't think that they can play them as closely as Vancouver did. And that means obviously they lose to them. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so then this presents the question, could you see a Vancouver beat a London or do you have Dallas? Like, would you I mean, no, I, would you have Dallas I down mean, here? I did think Dallas was going to be they're, they're the one team that on, on my bracket, they go all the way through the winners to the final. Um, obviously their, their performance against Washington was shaky to start. Um, but again, just like San Francisco, they, they fought back from the adversity. They did complete a reverse sweep, which we all know how difficult that is. Um, but we also know that Dallas is, you know, has a history of doing that as well when their backs against the wall. Um, I, I don't think Dallas loses. I do think it winds up being London, which means London against Vancouver, um, I don't know. This is this is what I was saying at the start, right? I think it would be actually a really good matchup to see London play Vancouver right now because London has all the confidence. Um, London has this this attitude behind them, this uh, almost spoiler role that they're maybe playing. I mean, I think it's a spoiler role. I don't know if everyone does. I'm sure London has its own fans that think they're just a dominant force to be reckoned with. Um, but I could I could see them getting a win over Vancouver, but I would probably give the edge to Vancouver. Whereas I was just Go gonna ahead. say, whereas if we look at the other side of it, I'm less confident in Toronto to beat either team coming into the losers bracket. Mm. Yeah. I I, I I it's difficult for me to disagree with any of that. And I I I, I feel badly doing it because I, I want to have faith. I feel Toronto has the ability to feed off crowd energy. Yeah. Um, it's just the, that matchup to the justice, especially with how the justice played the fuel. The fact that playoff decay yeah. seems to be uh, present, you know, Toronto has a lot of, of impediments in front of them just to get through the Washington justice. And then, Oh, by the way, you then have to play a pretty solid team out of, uh, you know, as you'd said, San Francisco, Houston. So, uh, it's doable. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to say it's not. It's just it would have been easier to have won. <laughs> I mean, if they won, then they'd be playing Dallas. So, sure, but at least at that point, when they yeah, fall, like they the, get to the, miss it, a loser's things round. have. Hey, the Toronto Defiant could very well be playing the Vancouver Titans, right? right? Like, it, and if you're a Toronto Defiant fan, I I go into that match thinking I can yeah. win. I don't think you know Vancouver is the rollover. This is this is interesting. Is you you see this dynamic in Defiant Court and Titans Court and the interpretation, but some of the other team discords, people are still thinking that Vancouver is old mm. Vancouver. Yeah. They're not. Toronto's better. But if Toronto makes mistakes, Vancouver can capitalize them. And we saw glimpses of it against the shot. Absolutely. Anywho, um, that is what happened in the West today. Uh, the East isn't yet underway. The East region gets underway tonight in the wee hours of the morning. Um, so when we get back with you tomorrow, we'll be able to recap the first few matches out of the event. Uh, we also hope to have some more voices um, with us and uh, we'll do our best to get you behind the scenes uh, uh, interview access. I did want in out of transparency sake, uh, let you know, I have asked 
uh, for an ability to talk to the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. Uh, the Toronto Defiant, as always, are amenable. Unfortunately, after the loss today, not necessarily a good opportunity. The hope is, obviously, that uh, the opportunity presents itself a little bit later on. You mean... The Vancouver Titans, however... after they beat Washington. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Vancouver Titans, however, um, have confirmed through the league that they are not open to interviewing at this time. So, I mean, we tried, and this is something we've tried to do before, but the Vancouver Titans... I mean, maybe they don't like us, but that's okay. Um, we like you. I hope you like us. And uh, it's not going to stop us from continuing to bring you everything that we can, our thoughts, behind-the-scenes access, uh, for those of you who can't attend event, or maybe those of you who are. But if you have questions that you want us to ask players um, or whomever, please let us know. The way it's working is winning teams are who's sending players. So if you were to say, hey, I want you to ask someone and they don't win, we're probably not going to have an opportunity to talk to them. Um, but if, let's say, Kaluj were to show up again, you have a question for him. Let us know. We'll ask. I'm not trying to be presumptive that San Francisco is going to win another match, but let's be honest. They have a pretty good likelihood of at least winning one. But on behalf of myself, Chris at Lightforce, Jordan Answer, Dr. JM, Omni at Omni Strife, and uh, all of you listeners who I know have enjoyed this bonus episode, I look forward to connecting with you again tomorrow. Stay in touch with us on RSP Discord, discord.o slash already set pwn. And uh, we'll try to keep you abreast of everything in real time through Twitter at ready set pwn. So, um, Jordan, what are those words that I'm supposed to say right now? Oh, oh my gosh. This is the first time I've ever been asked to do this. This is a big deal. Should I, should I say it? I mean, I've okay, asked okay, you to. Okay. <clears throat> Catchphrase. <laughs>